You are listening to Folking, the podcast series that travels the world to bring you the music and words of independent global musicians everywhere. Here we examine modern issues through the lens of folklore, music, and dance tradition. My name is Genevieve. Welcome. series is brought to you courtesy of my patrons on Patreon, without whom its existence would not be possible. If you would like to support the work I do, or you have an interest in exploring extended materials such as uncut video versions of the interviews, head over to patreon.com slash songs for dark times and consider becoming a patron. Likewise, if you would like to explore any of the other projects that I work on, head to my website at songsfordarktimes.com. Today we head north to Finland, where I'm interviewing Czech folk singer Barbara Shu, who has just launched her debut album, Olen Enen, which is already climbing global music charts. Barbara weaves together ancient Finnish and Chinese poetry and singing traditions to create something utterly unique. If you enjoy the music that you hear in this episode, head to her website at barbarashu.com to explore more of her work. Once again, you are listening to Folking. My name is Genevieve, and I'm delighted to have you here. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the show. has been a very, very long time. At least it feels like it. I think, in fact, it has been a couple of years, and what a couple of years, which I'm sure everyone on every platform everywhere is saying. Regardless, um, whether you are a new listener or someone who has been with me since the beginning, welcome. Uh, If you have been with me since the beginning, you might notice that this episode serves as the official rebrand and relaunch of this podcast. Uh, This is now simply called Folking, or affectionately, That Folking Podcast, (laughs) which I can't say out loud without laughing, and I suppose that's a good sign, because I think pretty much everybody can use a bit more laughter these days. So, I suppose we should begin with why I'm rebranding and relaunching this podcast and um, a short bit about what that means for future episodes and what this podcast will look like. Over the past few years, I chose in the midst of all the chaos to take some very important time to reflect as to why I am hosting a podcast in the first place, and more specifically, why am I hosting 
a podcast about folk music and folk traditions. Hmm. Once upon a time, before we set everything down into books and onto papers, we remembered that music, that movement, all of our traditions, in fact, are living. And I mean that very literally. That existence itself was transitory. That there were cycles and seasons in all things. And these traditions, I believe, are an extension of our experience of an existence in an expression within the world as well as a means of connecting us with each other, with ourselves, and with these cycles, seasons, and all the other many, many, many creatures that exist within the growing world. I feel like over the past five and a half, no, more than that, more than half a decade that I have been traveling around the world, hitchhiking, couch surfing, performing here and there, um, tradition hunting? Is that a term? I think that's a term now. What I feel like I have really been searching for is the answer to a very large, perhaps philosophical question. Why do we make music? Why? Why do we make art of any kind? Why do we have these traditions that have been with us for generations. In some ways, this podcast has been a means of attempting to, I guess, both seek and offer an abstract answer to this first question. Though, of course, I'm not foolish enough to think that there can be a succinct sentence or definition. I mean, certainly we could examine the principles of resonance and how they relate to the physical or mental human body and existence. We could discuss music theory and mathematical structures within music, and we, uh, we could look to biology and learn behaviors or our prehistoric need for communication with one another, but it's more than that. Why is it that even now, in our darkest hour, we turn to music for comfort, or in the most joyous of celebrations, we sing and dance together? Why? do we make music? If that is true, music must have an important place within our world. The arts, our human traditions related to those art forms must have an incredibly important place within our history and within our modern existence, within our means of being human. Then the second question the quieter one, the unspoken one, must give us pause. Why are these traditions disappearing? Why are we allowing these traditions to disappear? So, <laughs> I'll step off my soapbox for a minute now. Um, but I will come back to that in some of our later episodes. In any case, one of the other key important pieces for me in this podcast is the ability to support and share the work of all these fantastic artists, 
many of whom are not signed with record labels, many of whom you will probably never hear of unless you happen to meet them or find them within their own country. So, in episodes like the one you will hear today, you will be offered the music and the stories, the words of largely independent folk and global music artists from around the world. And in these episodes, I am choosing to largely extract my own questions and voice from the dialogue and from the finished piece, because I also think that rather than a normal interview, it is important for you to hear the words and the lived experiences of these artists, unadulterated and surrounded by the art that they create and offer the world. So, <laughs> it seems profoundly fitting that the first guest I have on this podcast as I rebrand and relaunch is none other than Czech folk artist Barbara Shu, whose lyrics embody the liminal undercurrents and suspended moments wherein life is experienced most, whose very work is a reminder that no matter where or when we come from, we are not all that different. Now, I must be honest, I cannot be completely unbiased in my love of Barbara's music, and specifically her new album, Olin Ennen, because she is a dear friend, not all the artists on here are, or rather, I don't know many of the artists personally. However, my knowing her and the countless hours, days, years, and struggles and learning that went into the making of this album, which is, unsurprisingly to me, already climbing global music charts, this knowledge has only served to deepen my understanding of what this album really is. First of all, it is undeniably beautiful, but it is also one woman's triumph. It is a testament to the ability to change the course of one's life and accomplish things that seem impossible. Most of all, it is a profound love letter to the natural world that she so deeply treasures. And it is a calling back to the wilds where we might remember the epic powers of song to heal, reshape, uproot, and grow again. In the album, Barbara Shu draws upon ancient Finnish and Chinese poetry and poetry singing traditions and sets them to new original melodies to create something completely unique but firmly rooted in tradition and history. The album focuses on both the juxtaposition and the mirrored parallels of these two fascinating cultures. The lyrics that she has chosen to use are brimming with lush imagery of water, birds, trees, and the lingering, delicate interplay between light and darkness, between loss and creation. In short, this album to me at least, is an homage to our symbiotic relationship with music, with tradition, with nature, and with one another. So, it is with the happiest of hearts 
that I give you, Barbara Shu. Barbara Shilhanova, um, and my artist name is Barbara Shu, which is a kind of fusion of my Czech and Chinese name. And I play um, traditional zithers, namely Kanteles from Finland and Guzheng from China. I come from the Czech Republic, and uh, part where I come from or where I grew up, um, in that part, 99% of all inhabitants have. Um, there after the Second World War, so uh, including my grandparents, uh, our musical culture was actually uh, the South Bohemian or like Moravian culture from a region called Slovatsko. But uh, I grew up in a place where, uh, you know, um, it was mostly about classical music. So my education as a child, although I went to a choir and I went to uh, the piano lessons and solo singing, all of these things were mostly related to classical music, except for some folk songs that we have done in the choir. So uh, perhaps my first like encounter of folk music was through the arrangements for children's choir. Actually, I never wanted to play music. I just wanted to sing music. Um, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a singer. But then somebody wise, who was my mother, came to me and said, well, you know, if you want to sing, maybe you should uh, learn to accompany yourself on something. So how about starting piano? And uh, then I said, no, I don't want to play piano. And that's how it went until I was like 11. <clears throat> and then I, I have... Uh, I have agreed on it and I started playing piano. I went to this uh, public school, so uh, basically you had to uh, stop when you were 18. So I, I had seven years of uh, classical piano education. Different musicians have their own preferences, they have their own relationships with different sort of instruments. And I personally click with Gujing and the harp and the kontele, these kinds of string instruments uh, which allow me to sing uh, without feeling like I am too loud. Actually, I don't like be being loud. I'm from a family with four children and I always felt like somebody is listening to your minds that I'm, you know, producing noises. So the piano was too loud for me. And also I don't like the loudness. I love that um, it's pleasurable 
to be exposed to the sounds, like physically the vibrations and everything, and the sound is just beautiful. And for some reason, I would just touch it and it would work. Um, whereas guitar doesn't work for me at all. Like if you give me a guitar, I'm totally lost. So um, I'm not exactly sure why, but uh, but somehow it just works. <laughs> Taiwan I went to study Chinese so uh, uh, while I was doing music as a teenager and a child and I always wanted to do music my family thought it's best for me if I study something else and um, get uh, a job um, in something else than music um, of course because of the financial reasons so I um, I, I got enthusiastic about languages because I found it really interesting to learn about other cultures and I wanted to speak the language of the people that I am learning about so that I would really get a you know, direct connection and I could learn better. And uh, when I was 17 I, I uh, went to a Tai Chi class and I started doing Tai Chi um, and I got really fascinated with the depth of that art. And I thought, okay, I have to learn Chinese. And then I thought, oh, that's an ideal thing for me. It's a language. Nobody speaks it. Nobody understands it. Uh, we need people who speak Chinese in Europe, in Czech Republic. Uh, it's very hard. So if I learn, then I will be able to secure a job opportunity if I need it. And I can do music if I don't want to do something else or if I have enough money. Um, so that's pretty much what I did. And this is how I got to Taiwan. There is a scholarship program offered by the Taiwanese government uh, for learning Chinese and I got that scholarship so I went there for half a year to study Mandarin Chinese. First time I went there um, I was really focusing on the language only. Um, it was the second time that I went uh, it was already for my master's degree uh, when I did go to Taiwan to study music because um, after the first time actually I got really sick and I was so sick that I didn't nobody really understood what's wrong with me and I wasn't able to function normally so I was really like afraid whether I'm gonna die or not <laughs> not to sound melodramatic but like it just wasn't good so after that my body just didn't it didn't take it well and then it took me like oh, a year and a half to get back on my feet and during this year and a half I went through different really serious symptoms and so um, I, I kind of changed the priorities you know I decided that I don't want to die before I have done music so it was this kind of uh, life-changing experience that made me uh, refocus. So uh, during my master's degree, I decided that I will do research not on Taiwanese democracy, but on um, Taiwanese indigenous polyphonic singing. And so next time I went to Taiwan, I was already looking for you know, learning music. When I have finished my bachelor degree in Czech Republic, I studied international area studies, so it's basically the thing that you study if you want to become a diplomat. Uh, then I, uh, I wanted to focus on Chinese culture, but I didn't really want to go into economic school because I don't like business. 
So I was looking for a master degree program where I could focus on language and culture, but not really the politics that much or business uh, that much. Um, and I found one in Taiwan and one in Turku in Finland. And uh, then I did uh, more thorough research and I have uh, learned that it's possible for me to take one year exchange program from Finland, from this university to the exact same university where I have applied otherwise. Um, at the same time, my boyfriend was Czech and he didn't want to go to Taiwan, but he liked Finland. Uh, so uh, first my like personal reasons then, and also uh, the fact that I was so sick the first time that I was in Taiwan, I thought maybe it's too soon and I need more time to recover. And um, I wanted to maybe study in a European country. Um, with uh, very high actually education standards and hygiene standards. Um, so this was like all the reasons uh, why I came to Finland. Um, and then when I was here, I, I, I found out all these great things about uh, this country, beautiful nature and, and actually very good situation for artists, for artistry as well, and kantele and uh, traditional singing in Finland and such. Actually, the first week that I moved to Finland, I have met um, Kantana maker Billy Horn, who was uh, showing his craft in the Handicrafts Museum, where we went uh, with the summer school uh, organized by my university. Um, so when I, you know, when I got the Kantana in my hand, I was like, yes, this is it. And uh, in a, about less than a year, when I was applying for this uh, Mandarin uh, language and culture competition. Um, I I took a kantana and I uh, arranged a Chinese song on it. So I would sing Chinese with the kantana and um, they have liked it. <laughs> and so they sent me to China for two weeks. Uh, and I traveled around China, different places, and I was performing on the kantana, on this song that I've made. And I got uh, another boyfriend, um, a Finnish boyfriend, and then everything started changing even more. one traditional Finnish lullaby. It's a runolaulu nuku nuku normilintu and used a gujeng for accompaniment. Uh, I have tried to give it the spirit of the runolaulu so in the first part of the song I just sing it a cappella um, without the instrument and uh, then I play it with the arrangement uh, with gujeng. Um, but my phrasing is a little bit different from the uh, traditional uh, Kalevala meter phrasing so i mean there is a very like there is a 
really I have done an arrangement of the song uh, in this way. And other than that, there is none that is a, a traditional song. Um, I just took the uh, lyrics as it was written in Alkukantaletar, uh, uh, which is um, a lyrical, a collection of lyrical uh, songs, lyrics uh, by Elias Lonroth. Um, and uh, I have worked with those. So the music is mine. Um, it's just the lyrics that are uh, Finnish or, or Chinese. ancient um, singing tradition which was present in the uh, the Finnish areas thousands thousands years ago and it, it was like a musical style that would be used in all uh, areas of life so uh, this runo means poem and laulu means to sing so literally it's like poetry singing sort of thing um, but uh, in practice it might have been it would be um, rhyming in a certain way but not exactly uh, as for example English poetry rhymes or the, the, this like classical poetry style that we know today is done. Uh, this Runulaulu would have its own um, poetry aesthetics. Now it's called Kalevala meter so there will be a specific meter to the poems and uh, most of the lines would for example have eight to nine syllables and the accents on the syllables inside of those lines would, would have been done in a specific way. Um, often uh, lines would be written so that uh, the consonants and vowels in them would be quite uh, similar sounding. So when you speak uh, those sentences out, they would uh, sound beautiful, like nuku nuku nurmilintu, vessu vessu. Vesteräkki. Uh, both of those lines sound completely different, but inside of each of them, they have a certain kind of universe, certain aesthetics. So, um, yeah, um, this is very important for runolaulu. Uh, and then, uh, as a culture, runolaulu was uh, in Finland basically before Christianity came and uh, changed everything and brought its own musical, like outside musical influence uh, and also changed uh, vastly the way that Finnish people or the, these Finnic peoples used to live. Um, and that also took away, of course, the Runolaulu culture. So Runolaulu was pretty much singing a cappella, not always, but in general, and uh, in certain areas it was uh, solo singing, in some areas uh, like uh, Ingria uh, it could be a group singing, actually a group of women singing. Sometimes you would have a question-answer or a call-and-an-answer type of songs, uh, but sometimes it would be uh, this, uh, like for example in Vienna Karelia, which is another region, there you would have uh, uh, storytellers who would just go on and on uh, alone um, 
they could be singing for days or hours. They could be singing uh, the, the legends, the myths that are today um, uh, written down in Kalevala. Kalevala is a, it's a collection of uh, traditional epic runolaulu from Finland done by Elias Lönerot. Um, he has uh, chosen, he, he, he has been, he was a doctor and he was traveling uh, in different regions of Finland, Russia, Karelia, Lapland. And he was collecting, uh, writing down what the singers were singing. And then he chose those uh, stories that uh, kind of made sense to him. And he probably polished it here and there. Uh, and he made it into a um, consistent epic. Uh, and that is called Kalevala. It was in the time when in Europe, you know, there was the... Uh, this revival or like this spring of uh, nations. So uh, all different uh, regions and ethnics um, started talking about the nationality. And uh, that was why a national epic, this romantic uh, uh, window to the history of uh, people living in the same area was uh, very welcome. And became, um, you know, it was a, became famous, it's a big thing. Uh, so that's what Kalevala is for Finnish people. And uh, very few people actually today realize that it's not a book. Kalevala is, it's not a collection of poetry. It's a collection of song lyrics. Lintu laulali metsässä pieni lintu pensastossa. Kuulastansa kuikutteli, marjastansa maanitteli, haloheli armastansa. Enko miepolonen rauka tuota toivoisi Kantale is a uh, national instrument of Finland, so that itself can uh, show, you know, what the importance for Finnish people in Kantale is. Of course, we don't know really how did it look like uh, in the very distant past. Did people used to play Kantale and sing at the same time or not? Uh, but uh, anyway, in the epic in Kalevala, Kantale is uh, created and played by wizard Väinämöinen, who is a, a, a huge character in, you know, very important character in this, uh, in the Finnish mythology. Um, and uh, it is used to enchant animals and uh, also uh, used in a battle. So Väinämöinen, uh, as a wizard, he doesn't uh, combat um, his um, enemy with uh, with fists or swords at that time, yes. <laughs> but he he plays the cantale and uh, plays the uh, his his uh, opponent uh, so that he like into the water so that he uh, he in the end uh, gives in because he does not want to drown. Um, yeah. So so the 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 powers of cantale are. Uh, believed to be uh, really quite major. 
I'm combining the Chinese and Finnish uh, music on two levels, as I see it, at least. Uh, mainly it's the instruments and the poetry. So um, I am not an expert in either one of them. I did not grow up in either one of them. I am doing my best to learn about both of them. But I only learn as much, you know, as you can learn in a couple of years of studying anything. So uh, I am not uh, trying to uh, represent the traditional music uh, of either of these countries, because I would not do it justice. But uh, I am trying to make something new, which is based um, in the beauty of of those two cultures that I perceive as an outsider to both of them. And uh, it seems striking to me how similar Kantele and Gujeng are. Um, Kantele exists in the place where Gujeng lacks and Gujeng exists in the place where Kantele lacks. So they go together really well. I feel that we all are a part of nature and it feels like um, very often people sort of think of uh, ourselves as uh, something different uh, where you know we are humanity and then nature is sort of uh, in a juxtaposition to uh, a human and and I feel uh, very close to living things um, in nature which are not human and not only animals but uh, plants and mushrooms and uh, uh, <laughs> I wanted to say mold but <laughs> I thought um, yeah <laughs> okay so you got the point um, but I, I just personally find uh, pleasure from being in nature and I need nature um, I need to be in the forest and on the meadows and I need to be able to look up on the sky and I'm not happy in the city so that is why I also live uh, in an island in the middle of nowhere in Finland uh, and I have forest area around and I have the sea here and I live far from people which sucks but uh, I can't exist without going to the nature. So that is why nature is important to me. It's not some kind of, uh, only some kind of like, you know, idea. It's not driven by um, thinking about it too much. It's driven more by my maybe uh, personal uh, need or just the way that I am, that for me personally, it's really important. So... Um, this is also the reason why I want to sing about it. Uh, it speaks to me and uh, it feels very important because uh, many people who grew up in the cities or live in the cities, maybe they are not uh, even aware of what it feels like to be in the countryside. And uh, it's very difficult to change what you know where you feel comfortable because uh, if you grew up 
in a certain way. Maybe you are very used to it and very just it's part of your nature. And so um, this is part of my nature, but uh, it's maybe something I like to share. And I, I kind of want to maybe bring the nature to people in the music so that uh, it is a, a medium that uh, everybody can reach without actually going outside. And of course, I want to encourage people to go outside and and share this um, uh, wonderful thing with me <laughs> and uh, other um, zillions of people who do appreciate uh, good forest. <laughs> in the forest, of course, you can also perform, um, but it just depends what do you actually focus on. Do you focus on the sounds from the forest and uh, the place? You know, do you take your uh, instrument with you and you walk somewhere in the middle of nowhere where you uh, have the whole experience of actually <clears throat> placing yourself in the forest? Um, with the intention of uh, producing music and sound together with uh, the sounds of the birds and the plants and the wind? Uh, or do you just, uh, you know, sit on your porch and you don't even think about it? Of course, there is a lot of, there's a huge scale of things you can do. And uh, I feel like um, people has been, of course, people have been playing music together with birds and trying to talk uh, there is one really nice movie about it and they have tracked the trees where the nightingales come and then a bunch of musicians would go there and play through the night with the nightingales singing. So like, I mean, these kinds of things, of course, they happen. Seiso seiso nyt, minun oma armahani, anna kättä lintusseni, anna kättä kultasseni, anna kättä nyt, minun oma armahani, polvin maahan lintusseni, polvin maahan kultasseni. So many things have happened. So many things have happened. I have moved to Finland and I stayed here, which was unexpected. Um, I actually started doing music, which was something I was wishing to do for years and years. I have uh, met the love of my life. We got a child. <laughs> One feel like I should say something epic, right? But it's really beautiful to have um, a baby. It's much more beautiful than I thought. And I'm very happy. I feel very blessed with the opportunity to have a tiny little human. And we have... Um, I don't know, I have made my life. I think, kind of. Like the, the life that I'm living now is very different from before. Now I'm a musician, that's who I am. 
and before I was uh, like a Chinese possible future diploma. how people also completely change their perspectives uh, when you depending on how you introduce yourself because I used to be saying you know I study Chinese blah 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 and now I say I do music blah 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 it's like a completely different uh, way you are approached um, it's funny I think for most uh, normal people in quotation marks uh, being a China expert is something very cool and being a musician is something questionable at least where I come from, it's like um, because of the financial aspect. So people feel like you need money to buy bread and pay your rent and such. And so it's not possible for many people to uh, be musicians because it's so financially demanding. Um, and you really have to have support of the people around you. Uh, not only like, you know, I don't mean like financial, but I mean like uh, mental. Like somebody who, you know, encourages encourages you in doing this thing which is obviously very hard and which is going to be uh, difficult financially. I think mo most people just uh, stick with the uh, paths that have been, you know, like um, laid out for us. Uh, although who knows what is easier, I don't really know. And I think uh, it would be wonderful to also do some other job it's just that I felt this kind of really intense calling. So that's why I did it. Because I felt like I'm dying inside if I don't do it. Uh, but uh, people who don't have this issue, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's good for them. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. We have to change gears for the last question, or maybe the last question. Um, you're not going to like this one. But if I were to ask you to pick one song off the album that was your absolute favorite what would it be and why oh that's such a difficult question i would say olin and an otramana but uh you know it's like talking about your children you know i love all of them um i also really like the outro because it's just the uh, sounds of the birds in the yard and uh, me playing some cantale with them and that that's just it has a its own kind of magic to it so maybe that one is the second one um, it was also the last one that I have recorded so um, yeah can you um, tell us a little bit about Olin Enen about what it means and you know why it's the title track on the album oh it's difficult to tell uh, because it's uh, sung in a Karelian, like a very old dialect, and uh, it's not quite clear what exactly the words mean today. Um, but I will read it for you as well, and the translation I mean. I was a six-year-old flower, lively as a five-years-old. As I sat down, the earth was happy. As I rose up, wellies rose. As I stepped, the earth rejoiced. As I danced, the sky boiled. As I stood, the walls became translucent. As I walked, the forest floor wiggled. Um, 
we believe that this has something to do with the moment uh, of freshness when the world was created um, in another poem. Because some of the lyrics of this Runolaulu are almost exactly the same as another, uh, as a one uh, creation myth that I have found in, a, in the archives as well. And uh, these specific lines we have not found in any other archived poem uh, whatsoever. So maybe there is a connection to that one. Possibly. Barbara Shu currently lives in Finland on one of its many gorgeous archipelagos with her partner Mikhail and their newborn son Gabriel. When not performing or collaborating with any number of other artists, she can be found studying for her second bachelor's and master's degrees, this time in global music studies at the world-renowned Sibelius Academy in Helsinki. Her newest project, Ask Your Elders is an online platform aimed at connecting older generations with younger ones by offering a space where they can share their advice, anecdotes, and lived stories. With express permission, these stories are then also made available for artists and creators around the world to use as inspiration for making art, music, poetry, dance, and in general fostering a contemporary, living folk tradition. You can find more of her work and purchase her album through barbarashu.com. That's B-A-R-B-O-R-A-X-U dot C-O-M. listening to Folking, the podcast series that brings you traditional music, dances, and folklore from all over the world. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And uh, if you did, pressing the little button in front of you that says subscribe or follow, something like that, will ensure that you get to hear more of these episodes. Likewise, if you feel like supporting this podcast, um, sharing these episodes and this podcast series with friends, family, random strangers, I don't know, social media platforms, um, all those things help in the continued growth and expansion of this podcast series. Last but not least, uh, I want to give a special thank you to Barbara Shu for her music, her words, and of course, her time. Thank you to the band Ankle, spelled E-N-K-E-L, for our opening song, Tahoe. And thank you to the exquisite Lauren McCall for this track, Lady Isabella, as our closing theme. Also, thank you to Steve and Lita Shapiro of Folkworks, who, as of this month, 
feature a monthly blog post of mine focused around these episodes. And, of course, thank you to my patrons on Patreon, without whom this podcast would not be possible. It is now almost 4 a.m. here in Finland, and uh, I don't know about you, but I'm either going to go to sleep or I'm going to grab some coffee. So, sweet dreams wherever you are, until we meet again. (laughs) 